We're in a message series called Win the Day. Say, Win the Day. Win the day. Say, Win the day. Win the day. And if you are a guest, we welcome you. We're so glad you're here. Let me bring you up to speed real quickly. <clears throat> the, the bottom line of this message series is there are things that you probably need to stop doing. But if you thought about that from a years-long perspective, you, it might be overwhelming. There's probably a whole lot of things that you should start doing. But again, you haven't been doing them. And so to start doing something, a, a radical transformation in your life, might be very difficult. So how do we break this down? We said probably can't do it for the year. Probably can't get your mind around the month. Maybe not even the week. But we can the day. So we say win the day. Win the day. We have t-shirts. You business people picked up on this. You bought t-shirts for your offices. We had thousands of bracelets. We've given away all the bracelets. And again, it's, it's the idea that you can win. You actually can win something called win the day. Well, this morning's topic is a little more challenging because it's not something that you need to do. It's something you need to access. In other words, you already have it. It's not like you're trying to create the keys to make something. You already have access to this. And so how, how do we embrace something that we already have? And the word that I'm going to use today, as I've thought about it, it's a tough word. And it might make you uncomfortable with where I'm going with it. So I think I need to back up and explain why I'm going where I'm going and the direction that we're going to take. But let me do this today, starting with culture. You're very familiar with culture. And you could take any two weeks in culture and we could make the same illustration. We could take the last two weeks... Again, your favorite news, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, whatever, last two weeks, or we could go two weeks before that, or we could go six months before that and take, take two weeks. It's the exact same illustration. But I, I think we're uncomfortable with this word, even though Scripture uses it in such a positive light. So let me start with culture, and you're going, where in the world is he going with this? All right. What's really going on? in the Me Too movement? Now, it's a rhetorical question. I'm not expecting you to answer that. And let's stay at 30,000 feet. But what's really going on in the Me Too movement? What in the world happened to Paul Manafort? Why did he just get sentenced to jail? What was Michael Cohen thinking? And Michael Cohen now will also go to jail. And, and what was going through the minds of all of these people with this college scandal, this college admission scandal? It's just starting to unravel. What in the world is going on in those parents' minds, or those students' minds, or those coaches' minds, or those administration people's minds, or the people who took the test? What was going on in their head? Now let me come all the way back to, the, to our word. Our word today is advantage. And because some of you have been taken advantage of and someone's taken advantage of your kindness or your generosity or your mercy or your forgiveness, that's kind of a hard word for some of us in the room. And so again, in the Me Too movement, what's really going on there is some people have taken advantage of some people they should never take advantage of. And Paul Manafort thought it was to his advantage not to pay a lot of taxes. And for some reason, Michael Cohen thought it would be to his advantage to commit perjury and to lie under oath to the United States Congress. J. 
just I want you to know that's never a good idea, just in case you had some temptations there. And, and, and the, whole, the whole college scholarship scandal, there are parents who can buy colleges, who spent a little bit of money trying to have an advantage for their children to be able to get into a school of their... And, and, and the disservice those people did to those kids was tremendous. Anytime you take away hardship from a kid, you just set that kid up for failure. The, the trees grow because the wind blows. Just Google that later on. Look that up. <laughs> and so because you've been taken advantage of in your life with someone or something, and if you haven't, that's great, but you will. Someone will take advantage of your generosity. Someone will take advantage of your, of your kindness. Because of that, I thought, this is a tough word for us today. But it's Jesus who says to the disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because when I go away, I'm going to send unto you that which is your advantage, the counselor, the comforter, the paraclete. I'm sending someone alongside of you. And so this, this whole concept of advantage is kind of hard, but we're not talking about having advantage over people. We're talking about advantages for people. God's not trying to ha- get you to have an advantage so you can suppress people. He's trying to give you advantages so you can bless people. The whole reason that we're in Christ is that these advantages come into you. And it's not like there's only so many apples on the tree and there's only so many kids can get to a, to, a, to, a, to a school. It's like God's got multiple trees and orchards. And so today, I, I want to talk about winners find an advantage. And it's called the power of the Holy Spirit that wants to live inside of you. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not. This is kind of interesting. Jesus never performed any miracles. He never healed anybody. He never taught. He never raised anybody from the dead. He never did any miracles until he was baptized by the Holy Spirit. And when John the Baptist baptized Jesus, the heavens split open, and the Holy Spirit comes down and remained in the form of a a dove, and it remained on him. And at that point, Jesus began to do ministry. And then Jesus tells his disciples, remember three years go by and he gets crucified, he rises from the dead, he makes 40 days of post-resurrection appearances. And then Jesus tells the disciples, don't go do any ministry, don't leave Jerusalem, stay right here, hunker down, stay right here, wait until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive, what did he say? He said, power. You will receive power. You will have an advantage you will have this power, and then you go out into the world. Then you be my disciple. Then you change the world. So here's the whole point this morning. You are designed to be a world changer. You are designed to change your world. God has placed you in a home, in a family, in a culture, in a school, in a community, in a work environment for you to change. And the advantage is the power of God now resides inside of you. Now, there's worldly wisdom, and that's okay. Worldly wisdom, if this is spring training, which it is, bats about 300. Worldly wisdom's good. You learn from other people's mistakes, you read books, 
you understand what to do, what not to do. Worldly wisdom makes pretty good sense. Worldly wisdom's fine if you want to bat 300. But the wisdom from above, you can bat about 975. Choice is up to you, 300 or close to 1,000. And the wisdom from above is completely different than the wisdom of this world. And so we're going to talk about some advantages that you have today. Not over people, but with people. Not to suppress people, but to bless people. So if you're a guest, you can quickly, if you have a smartphone, uh, flip phone won't work. If you have a smartphone, download the Harborside app real quickly. And for those of you that have the app, we're going to go through some of these advantages. Here's the first one. He, he really teaches us to play to win. I've observed that most people play not to lose. Now, you don't have to agree with me and the chilies today. You can, over lunch, talk about this. But I think about 75% of all believers play not to lose. And what happens when a sport team in the fourth quarter has momentum, and what happens when they lose momentum and that, in those last four, five, or six minutes, what happens to the other team? The other team gains momentum. And anytime in life you watch a sports team that's got a lead and they then play not to lose, they have a great chance, I think, of losing. I watched University of Tennessee football for decades do that. They'd be ahead in the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden they'd play not to win. They'd run the ball trying to run the clock out. And about half the time, they end up losing a game that they should have won that they were ahead of. Did you watch some of those basketball games yesterday? I, I won't mention the Tennessee-Kentucky uh, basketball game. I won't mention that. You have orange on. You are divine. That's really funny. Uh, you watch these teams, and they're, they're going at it. And these coaches have learned you've got to play to the last second, to the last, to the last minute. Are you playing not to lose, or are you playing to win? You see, when we read the end of the book, we've already won. The end of the story is we've already won. And so here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, look, the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved... What, was, what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Yet, God sent his son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed with humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilty and the power of sin. So now, every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through us, the anointed one, living in his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to the flesh, but by the dynamic power of your what? Your advantage. Your advantage. You have an advantage in every single one of us who are believers. I want you to look at this quote from Angela Duckworth. I don't know if she's a believer or not. I always find it interesting when maybe non-believers share material from research in colleges and university 
that kind of supports exactly what we are to be as believers. Angela Duckworth's research at the University of Pennsylvania identifies grit, say grit, grit as the number one indicator of success. Now that's a big statement. Here's a woman who's done research for years and years and years, University of PA, Pennsylvania, and she says it's grit. It's not talent, it's not title, it's not wealth, it's not good looks, it's grit. The ability to work hard for a long period of time toward a goal, to preserve, to overcome, and to keep moving forward in the face of adversity, failure, rejection, and obstacles. And the parents who cheated in that college scholarship scandal just took the grit away from their kids. And you don't want to do that. It's grit. And so if, if non-believers have, can have grit, what about those of us that are believers? We ought to have more grit than anybody. We ought to be the grittiest people on the earth. All right, let me, let me move on with that. All right, all right. You got the joke. All right, advantage number two. You begin to see what others can't see. This is so helpful as a mom. It's incredibly helpful as a dad, isn't it? You're trying to make a purchase decision. You're trying to make a business decision. And you've got the Holy Spirit inside of you helping you to make really great decisions in your life. You begin to see things other people can't see. Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit, they are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. You were designed to change your world. You were never designed to play not to lose. Because you are designed to win, you can see what nobody else can see. And because of the Spirit of God inside of you then, you charge hell with a water pistol, with power and persuasion. And there's just so much strength that God has placed inside of you. Now, if you're burned out and you're tired and you're limping... Chances are you're not putting enough in. Way too much is going out. If your tongue is hanging out and you're dragging this morning, and not just this morning, but throughout life, and spiritually you feel like you're getting beat up every day at school, at work, let me ask you this question. How can you give out 10 to 12 hours a day and you're not even putting in 8 to 10 minutes a day? That was a question. (laughs) How do you expect to do it? But you can see what nobody else can see. You can play to win every single day because you're dialed in, you're in tune, you're in touch with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. You're a world changer. That's your advantage. So... We've got another advantage. We fulfill our purpose. That's a big one. Everybody wants to have purpose. How do people with all kinds of money and all kinds of titles and all kinds of accolades, how do they take their own lives? How do do they do it? They don't have a purpose. They don't understand their purpose. And yet, your advantage is you, you can understand your purpose. Now, Christ lives his life in you. We could just stop with that one verse and preach for about 10 weeks. The whole goal is for Jesus to live through you. The whole goal is for Jesus to live in you. The whole goal is for Christ to say, I want your life. 
will you give me your life? If you give me your life, I will live my life through you. That's the whole point. And the problem comes when you think this life's about you. When you become the center of this world, the center of this life, that's when you get tripped up. But Christ wants to live his life through you. And he's come to do that. He's come to live his life in you and through you. Now, Christ lives his life in you, and even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are fully accepted by God. You are what? Fully accepted by God. You are what? Fully accepted by God. Yeah, pay attention to me. Don't watch that. Fully accepted by God. <laughs> I got you. All right. The advantage is I've been preaching for 30-some years, all right? You're free. Advantage number four. You're free. I don't know how you feel, but I know your position. If you're in Christ, you are free. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he did in you. Here's what he says. But when the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, that's your advantage. Don't, Don't miss this today. I want to be as polite as I can. If you don't have much juice in your battery, it's because you're not on the charger. I just want to be as polite as I can. What in the world makes you think you can go through the whole day and not be on the charger? You charge your cell phone. You charge your computer. Why would you not charge your soul? Gosh, that's a sermon. When the Spirit of Christ empowers your life, you are not dominated by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And if you are not joined to the Spirit of the Anointed One, you are really not of Him. So then, beloved ones, the flesh has no claims on us at all, and we have no further obligation to live in obedience to it. I love that verse. That means I can sin. That doesn't mean I have to sin. I'm capable, but I'm not required to. For when you live controlled by the flesh, you're about to die. But if the life of the Spirit puts to death the corrupt ways of the flesh, we then taste His abundant life. That's a good one right there. All right, here's the next one. You receive divine intuition. I want to talk about this for a couple minutes. When you become a Christian, God begins to speak to your soul and speak to your spirit and speak to your mind and will and emotions. And I think it's a process. It's a process of learning to listen. So, so let me give you an example of what happened at our Tuesday night Bible study. Our neighborhood has a Tuesday night Bible study every, every Tuesday night. And we were there one night, and somebody asked about faith. What is faith? And so I'm trying to come up with a good illustration about divine intuition. Because we're not always sure what to do with intuition. Is intuition good? Or was intuition from God? Or was it from Taco Bell the night before? I mean, where, where, where did it come from, right? So we're trying to figure out where did this intuition come from. And one, one of the men in our, in our small group on Tuesday nights, he's a uh, retired uh, high school principal. And so I used him as an illustration. I said, have you ever had a candidate, a, a, a resume that was really good? And on paper, this guy head and shoulders above the other candidates, really good resume, great qualifications, great school, great internships, but something inside of you is going, I don't know, 
there was tension right there. But you hired him anyway, didn't you? He said, yeah, I did. He said, I've done that many times. I said, how did that turn out? Not well. Not well. And then the other part of that illustration, though, is there was maybe a lady who had a, a resume and not really great schools and not a wonderful internship and not tremendous grades. Maybe she had to work a whole lot to get through college. But, but that young lady, you had a divine intuition that she'd be a great teacher. And you hired her and she was teacher of the year. He said, yeah. That, that, that's kind of how divine intuition works. I want to encourage you to pay attention to divine intuition. Now, it's got to be within the margins of Scripture. It's not crazy out there somewhere, you know, off the scales. But, but it's within God's will. And you're going, that's God really speaking to me, moving me, motivating me to do something, to be something that I've never done before. Let me give you a couple of church examples. About seven or eight years ago, a few of our men, I wasn't one of them, but a few of our men got a divine intuition that we ought to build a back driveway. And the back driveway, we were going to need it someday for traffic flow. We were half the size we are today. But they, they got a divine intuition from the Father that we probably ought to go ahead and have another ingress in and out of our facility. And throughout a couple, of course, of a couple of years, they worked all that out, got it, it's paid for, Safety Harbor loves us, it, that's a miracle, and we're all working together. And it's totally paid for. About five years ago, we got a divine intuition about a wedding chapel. And God just laid that on our hearts to, to not just do weddings, but to equip people for marriage. We're doing all kinds of premarital and postmarital equipping. We are equipping people for marriage. We are going to change, by the power of God, the trajectory of marriage in the state of Florida, the United States, and maybe the world. And it's awesome. It is awesome what God is doing. And all it was was some divine intuition. And all of us as leaders, we just waited and waited and waited forever to build a worship center because we know how expensive, how difficult, how challenging that's going to be. God has given all of us, I don't have any more information to share with you, I'm just telling you, he has divinely given us the intuition that now is the time. And we're going to do that, and you'll hear more about that in the weeks and months to come. He gave us divine intuition about outreach ministries and outreach programs. We're doing mentoring now to children and teenagers in our counties around us, all because the Heavenly Father spoke to us about that. And he's speaking to us about outreach ministries that are proactive, not taking care of problems after they get, occur, but actually trying to prevent problems from happening before they ever get started. It's what he's doing to you. He's given you divine intuition. Pay attention. Pay attention when he speaks to you. Pay attention when you have a leading. Pay attention when you have this feeling and, and run it by other godly people around you. Pay attention to your divine intuition because that's how God's work, and it's your advantage because it will change your world, and you're a world changer, and you're designed, and you've been developed to change the world around you. So what does Scripture say to this? Well, again, Paul in Romans chapter 8 says, the mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. That's divine intuition. It's not just intuition, it's divine. It's from your Heavenly Father. And so you will have these impulses and these movements inside of you that your Heavenly Father is saying, speak, don't speak, go, 
don't go. Do this, don't do this. Give to this, don't give to this. Your heavenly Father will divinely move in your life. And that's your advantage. You have something because you're a child of God that nobody else has. Wow. This one's about loneliness. You're in the family. I've been pastoring for a long time, and a lot of problems that occur inside the church, outside the church, really come because of loneliness. You just feel lonely. You can you feel alone. You can be in a big family, you can feel alone. You can be in a big company, you can feel alone. You can be in a big church, and you can feel alone. But a lot of misbehavior from adults, children, youth, students, really comes from, from the feeling of loneliness. And God goes to great lengths to try to communicate that he doesn't just like you, he's, he's, he's crazy about you. That, that you just didn't get an invitation to the family reunion. You weren't like the cousin Eddie, who you know, everybody talks about before you got there. You're like, you're like one of the main people. You're in the family. You're one of the divine people. Here's what he says. You did not receive the spirit of religious duty, leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. That's how most people feel. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I don't qualify. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not good enough. Nobody in the family really respects me. Nobody in the family really embraces me. Nobody accepts me for just who I am. You didn't receive that spirit in Christ. The advantage is you, you didn't get that from him. See, you receive the spirit of full acceptance. Say full acceptance. Say full acceptance. You receive the spirit of full acceptance. In, in folding you into the family of God. I, I can't speak for your family. I don't know if they're good, bad, crazy, wonderful, normal. I can't speak to them about that. Dysfunctional with capital D. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know what family you've been adopted into. It's perfect. It's the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for he rises up within us. Our spirits join him. Talk about advantage. In the saying, the words of tender affection, beloved father. So how do we respond then? Beloved father, I can't believe you love me this much. Beloved father, I can't believe you accept me. Beloved father, I can't believe you're so crazy about me. God is so crazy about you. If he had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Okay? I hope he does have lots of food in heaven, by the way. I really do. For the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us. He's not just playing games. He really is my father, who really does have my best interests in mind 24-7. I am his beloved child. That's cool, man. That's just really cool. Since we are his true children, we qualify to share all his treasures. Talk about advantage. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself, and since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has. Number seven. One of the advantages is you can just get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Your faith can get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Your trust can get larger and larger and larger and larger because you know that you know that you know 
He's real. He loves you. He cares about you. And you just get stronger. So every decision that you make, every action in your life either moves you toward weakness or toward strength. Think about that. Every decision you make, it either makes you weaker or it makes you stronger in Christ. So the poor choices that we make actually weaken us. But the good choices, the godly choices, the right choices... They make us stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. And here's what he says. In a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us. So it's not that you just like do enough push-ups and get stronger on your own. It's you're doing the spiritual push-ups in Christ that make you stronger all the time. For example, at times, we don't even know how to pray. We don't even know the best things to ask for. How many of you have been there? I don't know how to pray about this. I don't know if I should pray for it or against it. I don't know what I am. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I don't know. Well, here's the cool thing, he says. You've got two-thirds of the Trinity praying for you. You've got the the Son and the Spirit praying for you. Hebrews chapter 7 and Hebrews chapter 9 talk about the Son living to intercede on your behalf. And here the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Listen to this. This is so cool. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on my behalf. That means that the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Make that good choice. Come on, grow. Come on, move away from that. Come on. I'm counting on you to grow up. The Holy Spirit is super interceding for you to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Why? To change your world. You don't have a job. You don't have a house. You don't have a neighborhood. You don't have a position for you. It's Christ living his life through you. And when you do that, you just get stronger and stronger. And and your faith just grows and grows and grows and grows. Friends, you got two-thirds of the Godhead praying for you. I mean, that's pretty cool, isn't it? That's amazing. And he's letting you know that his spirit rises up within you to super intercede on our behalf, pleading with God with emotional sighs too deep for words. God, the searcher of our heart, He fully understands the Son and the Spirit praying for you. It's like those prayers. You think God's not going to answer the prayers of his own Son or of his Spirit? Of course he is. Yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us. We're his holy ones in perfect harmony with God's plan and your destiny. last part of Romans chapter 8 verse 34 is this little quote. This is actually a scripture verse. It says, he is continually praying for our triumph which is our last advantage about being victorious. God made you to be victorious. He's given you all the tools. And that's why Jesus said to the disciples John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, it is to your advantage that I go away. They couldn't see it. They 
didn't understand it. But very soon on the day of Pentecost, they embraced it and they changed their world. Change your world. Change your world. Change the world that you live in. Moms, your children are counting on it. Grandmothers, your grandchildren are counting on it. Grandfathers, fathers, uncles, leaders, nurses, doctors, plumbers, lawyers, preachers, salesmen, school teachers. Your world's counting on it. Your world is counting on it. Your heavenly Father has placed you in that world so that you would become a life changer. Become victorious. So what does all this mean? I love how Paul's just so blunt, don't you? Well, if God is determined to stand with us, tell me who then could ever stand against us? Yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. Now, how do you become more than a conqueror? If you conquer, you conquer. How do you become more than a conqueror? It's what God does in you. And you're going, wow, that is so cool. That is unbelievable. That is so powerful. That is so significant. That is so moving. Look what God is. When you become more than a conqueror, you realize that you're good, but you're not that good. You may be gifted, but you're not that gifted. You're more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror when he shows up. And he demonstrated his love and our glorious victory over everything. So we always talk about picking one. I don't think you can memorize all eight of these. I don't think you can win the day if you try to pick eight. I think you can win the day if you pick one. Which one of these do you need to circle? And if you've never given your life to Jesus, that's winning. That's winning. Giving your life to Christ, letting Jesus cleanse you, forgive you, transform you, change you, and then put his spirit inside of you These are all your advantages. So I'm going to ask you, when you pick one, I'm going to ask you to stand up, and I'll pray over you. Let's have the prayer partners come down front. Again, if you'd like to be prayed for, prayed over today, if you would like some uh, people to help you walk through how you become a Christian, our prayer partners down front will do that for you. Pick one of these, and then I will pray over you and close the service. to win? Do you want to see what others can't see? Do you want to fulfill your purpose? Do you want to be free? Do you want that divine intuition? Do you want to stop being lonely? Do you want to get strong? Do you want to live in victory? You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the great I am. And we embrace you and we worship you. We receive you. Give us strength and power to live victorious. Thank you. Thank you for being the advantage. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.